0: Uh, Tony Silva and Charles Wiz. And this is episode 8, Two Teachers Talking, where Charles and I get together to talk about teaching uh, things that work, things that don't, um, things that still confuse us, and uh, other things that teachers don't usually talk about. Um, Today uh, we're talking about uh, grades and grading.
1: Uh, This really confuses me.
0: Uh, Yeah, and I think right off the bat, I think that we (laughs) kind of say that this is uh, in contrast to the last episode where we kind of had a little sense of what we were about uh really, kind of would look forward to you know people 's input on this because uh as as you 'll find out it 's like this is a big murky gray area that uh that we struggle with and we still struggle with, and uh would really look forward to people's uh input and uh ideas about what they do and what
1: they found works yeah, I think this is really true. This is something I still struggle with after how many years right? How do I make my Grading effective, efficient, and the little elephant in the room—fair yeah. and equitable. Yeah. Uh. yeah,
0: I mean, there's not only the drudgery of the of the numbers and just the the volume of work, but you know that underlying stress of you know are, are you really being fair and what does fair mean?
1: Yeah, well, I don't find the drudgery too bad because I enter my grades every week into a spreadsheet. Mm. So mm. the hardest part is actually figuring out how to massage the grades. Mm. right so we'll talk about that but i want to bring up i think the thing that's driven me the craziest the most over all these years and i'm still struggling Mm. with tony right and that is uh speaking classes and introverts the kid who doesn't talk doesn't want to talk is too shy to talk and is a natural introvert in their own language yeah how do you deal with that
0: well, yeah, the, the, the question of personality is, is always hard when you're talking with, you know, about speaking classes. Um, one of the things that um, you, you can try to do is to, when you're designing the class itself and building the class out and what you're going to ask students to do and what you're going to, how you're going to assess them, uh, is to build in things, you know, for assessment that don't rely entirely on speaking. Uh, for example, um, not necessarily with with this in mind, but um, one of the speaking classes that I have, or one, a group of speaking classes that I have, they're all kind of the same. Um, is that in a, you know, in addition to the, the students actually you know being assessed on their speaking in class, they're also expected to do weekly research. Uh, they, all, as it turns out, you know, because of the requirements of the, of the university where these classes are held, they also need to do um, a written paper and do an oral presentation. Um, but you can include other you know, non-speaking type tasks that can be included with the assessment to c- compensate slightly for that uh, personality quirk, mm. which I share with them.
1: <laughs> well, can you give us an example of that?
0: Well, no, no. I mean, I'm an introvert myself, so I... <laughs> oh, come on,
1: come on, come on. I don't believe <laughs> that. That's like me saying that I'm shy. Uh well... Well, we'll well, let's move on. Let's move on (laughs) and not debate the point as to whether or not one of us is an introvert. Okay. So you're creating alternative activities in a speaking class so that somebody who is too shy to speak up or does not like to talk has some activities that they can succeed in.
0: Right. So, so for example, the student, like, as again, with the, with this class, each week students are to do some outside research and they are graded, you know, very loosely on the amount and quality of the research that they do. So even if a student, you know, has a very difficult time uh, with the other students actually getting out and voicing his or her opinion and, and engaging in, in a lot of conversation, they can compensate for that by doing some stellar research during the week. Okay.
1: Any other activities that you include to compensate for those kinds of students?
0: Well, the the you know writing writing tasks, um, uh, group activities, kind of thing, where they can divide the, the tasks up different different ways.
1: hmm yeah, I think how I deal with it's a little bit different. I I do try to create multiple kinds of activities in a speaking class, but what I'll do is look watch the introvert or wh- what I assume to be an introverted student because I find out more often than not that I have no idea what a student's like outside of class, sure. is to watch for their behaviors that indicate that they're engaged in listening mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. treat that as a speaking activity because the reality of it is is when we're measuring student performance in a speaking activity, we measure mm-hmm. their speaking. And it's as if the listening part is nothing has nothing to do with the conversation Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll look for the behaviors that indicate that they're listening. Are they engaged? Are they making eye contact? Are they focused, or are they drifting away? And then I'll grade them as if that's part of their speaking production. And I think that's a fair way to deal with it as well. Mm. But it's
0: yeah. It's a, in addition to you know, the, the introverts. You know, the whole question of personality because you've got the other end of the scale too. You've got you know the person the active you know the very active extrovert. Uh, who, you know, for them, conversation and engagement is effortless. Um, even in a second language. It, even in the second language, and it's very easy to misinterpret that, you know, that personality trait for, um, you know, a desire to learn or performance and, and so forth. You've got to kind of watch it both, both ends of that stick.
1: Yes, I think I speak too much in both languages. Japanese and English, I talk too much. I'd probably be one of those students. Okay, so how do we adjust um,
0: well as, as you said you you, know, you count the listening and the engagement there as a kind of uh, as a kind of speaking activity in itself um, I will look maybe a little bit more at the effort involved so you've got somebody that you've noticed is kind of quiet you pay a little bit more attention to see it. yeah well exactly are they and how engaged they are but also maybe uh, give a little uh, more reward for the speaking that gets done for, from those students?
1: Okay, well, let's look at it from a practical point of view. Most people are probably teaching in a class with anywhere from 20 to 30 students, I'm guessing, is about the average size. Mm-hmm. How do you monitor 20 or 30 students in a speaking activity? Do you walk well, around the, with your do or your iPad? That's what I do. Or your that's
0: Yeah, the classes that, you know, the the ones that I have in mind with this particular scenario, uh, the classes are about 40 to 45. And uh, luckily for me, they're, you know, they're very motivated students. Um, And I can put them on task and they will, you know, in groups and they will stay engaged and and be, you know, talking things. And, yeah, each student has a sheet on his or her desk. And I walk around and, uh, you know, they they just kind of get hash marks. And, uh, you know, I burn up the miles running around the classroom. And um, you know, with an eye toward those quiet students, you know, you know, whether I'm right next to them or across the room from them, from them, and um, yeah, we'll watch very carefully for any bit of effort. And by you know, by the middle of the term, you already know which students are going to be the leaders, the ones that are going to be talking the most, the ones that are going to be very active, the ones that are quiet, and whether or not it's you know, a reflection of their desire to learn or their degree of preparation, but you kind of learn uh, what their different personalities are and um, you know, kind of adjust for that on a, on a daily basis or week-to-week basis.
1: Okay. So what I'm curious is, so every student in your class has a piece of paper in front of them at every class. And yes. th- that paper's out while they're doing pair work or group work. Correct. And you'll walk around and you'll put like a check mark or some kind of mark on right. the paper. And so they can see... That you're giving them marks, Exactly. And they keep this paper for the whole semester, or do you collect it at the end of every class, or: I collect it at the end of every class so that they don't get lost? And then you hand them back at the beginning right, of the, the class.: beginning. Right.. Okay. This is like a very practical way of doing it. It's a little bit different. Um, I've actually stopped walking around my class and walking up to students who are talking in groups or pairs, because mm-hmm. I realize they get nervous when I'm around. So mm. I just position myself in different places in the room and watch students, and I've actually found that I can pretty much you know, evaluate their participation from a distance. I don't need to know exactly what they're saying, but there's enough behavior indicators, again, that tell me that they're engaged, and since I'm not going to measure are they using specific vocabulary, which is a different kind of evaluation, or are they using target language, target forms?
0: Yeah, I, I don't a, know that. Yeah, I don't know that. Me my walking around necessarily. Yeah, it's an interesting take on that because I don't know that it necessarily assists me in evaluation. The walking around, but in contrast to your observation that your walking around hinders their performance, since they know that they're getting rewarded, um, my walking around actually I think um, makes them talk more
1: rather than less. Interesting. So here's mm. here's my take: is that your system rewards the confident, motivated student. And my system probably benefits the shyer, less confident student.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, how would possibly possibly interesting that, but that's what I've taken because for example, let's change the topic slightly. I do group presentations and pair presentations for final projects in almost all my classes. Mm. And I don't evaluate the students. I don't have students come up to the front of the class and give a speech. I have students Mm. work in groups or pairs or even individually, and then they work in groups of three, and they present to small groups, and they evaluate each other, and they evaluate themselves. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my students have told me that on the evaluation forms at the end of the semester, they prefer that because they're so nervous and scared when a teacher is evaluating them. Hmm. And we'll talk a little bit later about how I adjust for that in terms of using grading systems and curves. But it's an interesting question that would students – I think the more motivated, proficient students really want the teacher to listen. Hmm. But that's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. high percentage of students un- if, unless you're really in an English major situation, Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, in my motivated classes, that's not a problem. But the majority of classes, I have students who don't have a lot of confidence and get nervous when I'm around. Mm, 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 So, mm. okay. So create some mechanisms for the introverted student to be measured on non-productive tasks that you, or oral productive tasks, but that they're productive in other ways, either writing or in research or in collecting materials. And I'm suggesting that Teachers watch for the indicators of engaged or active listening. Okay. So, have we solved the great mystery of life there?
0: Uh, no, and we're still looking for the, the answer. Yeah, again. <laughs> from our listeners, right? Yeah, because we're, we're, we're not really sure either. We we, we both found, you know. Things that seem to kind of work for us, but I, I can sense that either of us would be very, very open to some new ideas or suggestions that that could you know clear clear this up for us. Because yeah, we think this is right. We think this we're doing what we, you know, what works for us. But
1: um, I think we both kind of can feel that it's not the the answer. Right. This is a it's a good one. This is, I very much look forward to hearing from people to see how they handle the problem. Because again, just in terms of some of the research I've read that. Students who are quiet are still learning language, right? Yeah. There's yeah. no real reason that a student, we should force a student to be productive. and There's an ethical, moral issue there. What right do we have to force someone who's reticent to talk, even in their own language, to talk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a language class? So I think flexibility. So all of you out there who are listening, definitely send us an e- email and let us know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, and that it kind of opens up to the to the question of you know the, uh, in terms of grades how much of that is um, especially when you're talking about speaking classes and evaluating you know students' speaking ability the whole question of objectivity and subjectivity I mean so much of it is you know we you know we just talked about
1: how much of that is subjective and oh uh, well, it's versus, all subjective you know, <laughs> I think yeah 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 especially and, in a speaking class unless what are you going to do give them a written test
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a speaking class. I'm just thinking, that's always been the problem. How do you evaluate students in a speaking class?
0: Well, I have seen, I've never used, but I have seen um, people with, for example, checklists. Yes. And, <laughs> uh, you know, given a, a very concrete, very specific speaking task in which uh, um, components of that task were was the student able to successfully complete in a, you know, in a three- minute conversation um i don't know i don't feel that comfortable with that um i suppose if that's what you teach then you can then assess based on on those criteria but uh i guess that would be a different kind of class than
1: than i usually teach i guess i don't know I, i think this is what we commonly call one of the meta problems Mm. Is that how do you approach a speaking <clears throat> class and mm. I am not trying to create an environment that is used to evaluate a student I'm trying to create an environment where they learn to feel comfortable using English and they learn to use it in a natural manner they learn to yeah they get yeah. their yeah. their communicative competency they get proficient and if I'm always evaluating them. And how right, I would question, right. okay, how realistic is it to evaluate a 3 minute speaking activity when nobody mm. almost ever tells me to speak for 3 minutes and then shut up.
0: And would yeah, and if we were we were really evaluating by that for same 3 instrument, minutes, would we be able to
1: pass the test?
0: <laughs> do we do that? <laughs> yes,
1: would you be able to pass your own test? Yeah. It's <laughs> a good do question. You, In another Charles, language. Charles, did you use tag questions appropriately? I did. I think. Don't you? <laughs> but I think I do. Don't you? But there is a certain uh, argument in favor of that, right? Did yeah. people use? Ta- but then you get into okay. It's a way of making it objective, right? And actually, if you're going to be totally objective, because did they use it appropriately as a subjective question. You have to simply get to yes, no. Did yeah. they use tag questions? Yes or no, and then you have to yep. ask yourself yep. how many tag questions is is appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So this goes back to your question. And I think when we think about it, it's an incredibly subjective yeah. system. It's an incredibly subjective activity we're engaged in. And we can only hope or strive for fairness in the long term, which maybe is a good way to segue into the other great question mm-hmm. curve grading. How do we grade? Mm-hmm. Do you use curves? And curves are fair or unfair? What's your take Tony?
0: Uh for me it's all curves. Uh it's it's all curved. Um there's so much variation from class to class and from student to student. Um f- one example this year at uh, at one particular university I have two classes that ostensibly on paper they should be exactly the same. Um they're both uh, the upper level of uh, incoming freshman class. They're I don't think on paper that they test any differently. Um, But personality-wise, one class is just all firecrackers. The other ones are um, just silent. Mm. And there's just, you know, again, just about personality, not necessarily ability. um, There's no way that I could grade those two classes using the same standards and the same criteria. It's just got to all be curved.
1: Yeah. I have one of those classes. Yeah. What did you call it before? An epic battle? <laughs> yeah, I'm fighting. That
0: one class. Yeah, we yeah, we talked,
1: did talk about this class before. Uh, oh, just silent. Just silent. Yeah, that's my... I start off my Mondays with one of those classes. Yeah, oh, my mom. Interesting. Me too. And My, it, my first period Monday. Yeah. And I look at it because I've talked to some of the students, and they're talkative, and they all say, I can't talk because the other students are so quiet. And those students would score yeah. very high in speaking activities, but mm-hmm. they don't talk so everybody pressure.
0: yeah, it's almost gotten to where we talked about like how do we you know account for the introverts it's almost gotten to that point in that class where I kind of give them points for smiling. <laughs> yeah i look at the students you know students listening are, and reacting you know you talk about showing engagement yeah I, I crack a joke someone smiles okay <laughs> we'll count that okay so if, if you laugh at my joke you will get a point point.
1: <laughs> and it's interesting because there are students who will not laugh at any of my jokes even though i know mm. they understand and then i realize some people are just that way
0: i have no sense of humor
1: <laughs> well i <laughs> yeah, so let's not even go there. Although, I love the students who make jokes. The rare occasion when a student will make a joke—it's a beautiful. Oh, oh, it's such a beautiful moment when you realize. And sometimes I miss it because I'm so used to my students not making jokes that it's, I laugh about ten seconds later.
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's always fun. Okay, it's always so
1: fun. curves are used, yeah. and my argument for the curve is that uh, my f- friend of mine. Who's also a professor in an American university um, once said that she curves. And I said, How, This was long ago before I was willing to curve. And I said, How can you curve? It's unfair. And she said, Life is unfair. Mm. And they're good at life is a curve. And in a lot of ways, that's really true. So I also curve for my class because that's the only way to account for differences. Either. Oh,
0: yeah. And, and he, especially in Japan, where you know, I, I can't say that. <laughs> failure failure is not an option um but yeah i mean the expectations are such that yeah you're not you really can't hold a class accountable to a set of you know objective standards and you know if 50% of them don't make it then 50% of them fail that is only going to be interpreted
1: as a, a failure of the teacher sometimes no, but here it will but i here don't i, it, I think it depends it. on the university really well I, I
0: have if you do you think do you work anywhere that they would allow you to fail fifty percent of your class?
1: I think one place yes. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's in fact I know that at one point I was teaching a small class in American studies, seminar in American Studies, and I had a fourth year student, non major, from our department taking the class. And the student didn't do the work, and I went to one of the people in the department who's been at the school for a long time and said, if I fail this student, they're not going to be able to graduate. What should I do? It was my first year. Mm -hmm. And the professor said, did the student do the work? Did the student do passing work? And I said no. And he looked at me and he goes, fail her. That's the only fair thing. So I Mm -hmm. was like, oh, this is nice in a way. I don't like to fail anybody, but I thought that I'm not getting into trouble for failing.
0: Right. Yeah, it's nice to be able to make that call but I, based on what they're doing, right, rather yes, than by external yes. factors. Yes,
1: and if I failed 50% of my students, um, which I probably could in certain classes, in certain <laughs> situations, I don't know what would happen, but I do mm. know that the school does not trouble you for failing a student, although I've worked at places where if you failed a student, you did get an, a visit, yeah, and they asked you to not fail the student. So yeah, there's
0: all yeah, there's a lot
1: of places. And that's that, a different you know, failing discussion.
0: anybody just re- creates all these negative repercussions.
1: Right. Okay, but, but that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. Okay, so no, we, we both we're not going to change that. Right. And going back, so we both agree that there are curves. And uh, curious how? So you set up categories for you. Okay. So first off, by the way, we have to go to point. You got to use a spreadsheet. If you're not yeah, using a spreadsheet. Course. You got to start learning how to use spreadsheets because trying to grade I think by calculator or Yeah, I don't
0: know. Yeah, I I I've seen people kind of do that. And I, I see people do it every week, you know, with big uh, you know, big grids of paper and yeah. calculators and things. Ah, oh, I don't I don't know how that get how that works. I don't know how it okay. happens.
1: So we both agree that you have to use yeah. a spreadsheet and it's a no-brainer. Oh god, yeah. So you set up categories at the beginning of the semester and you then plug your grades in week by week. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Okay. And then you give weights to these categories, I assume, like 25%, 50%, and you put your formulas in, and then you start grading. And so let's say it's the end of the semester, you've entered all your numbers, and boom, out pops the grades. How do you curve it? Do you just use a median and standard deviations, or do you eyeball it? Do you try to draw a graph and move students around, or what do you do?
0: It it a lot depends on on the class itself, and a lot depends on what the numbers look like, which are not necessarily the same thing. Because um, sometimes, as you know, you'll have just a a stellar class where you'd love to give everybody you know the highest grade. You get other classes where, yeah, you'd <laughs> you'd love to fail half of them. Um, um, and for example, a lot of schools have very specific requirements. For one of the schools where I teach. For higher level classes, your class, your mean is supposed to equal a certain number. And for an average level class, your mean of your scores is supposed to equal a separate number. So you've got a curve to match that requirement of that university. Well, that's an an
1: easy thing to do until you see the results usually.
0: Right and that that's the thing and you've got like you know the sometimes the the grades are you know spread evenly you know beautifully a beautiful bell curve You've seen you. one of those? Sometimes, I've never seen one of those. Yeah I've, I've seen that. I've seen I've seen it all. I've seen the I've northern, northern lines, lines. I've seen bell. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a sunset across the Pacific. I've seen the green
1: flash as the sun goes down in the ocean. Yeah, i've seen I, ufos I've seen every or...
0: pattern imaginable and so yeah it depends yeah you do that 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 crunch of the numbers and you, you kind of see what happens and you look and see um you know what kind of match your subjective impressions with the numbers that come up do they, do these make sense do they does it seem fair uh can i just yeah in the odd occasion can i just enter them as they are um, do, or do they need to be curved? They need to
1: be tweaked. It,
0: it, it's all on. A, for me, it's all on a case by case basis, hmm.
1: because I know what I do, and I, I always start off the the school year and every semester with. You no, know, I set up my spreadsheet. I'm entering my numbers, and my spreadsheet is sacrosanct. It's holy. Whatever mm-hmm. this spreadsheet spits out is going to be the grade based on how I curve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I find myself always pulling my hair out or what the little wow. is left of my hair. Oh, sure. Right sure, at the end sure. of the semester. But I do um, a real quick curve. I basically say that I want my median score in my class to be a 70. hmm And then I will take all those activities by category. So let's say there's a participation score. There's a... Um, you know, score for speaking activities, a score for listening activities, midterm presentation, final presentation. And then I find the average for each of those scores, and then any difference between that and the 70, I just either subtract or add points to the individual score. So if in a midterm presentation the average score in the class is 65, then I add five points to every student's score. Mm -hmm. And that's just a fast curve because I used to figure out the standard deviations, divide the standard Mm -hmm. deviation by two, move both ways. But that tends to work. But as I tell students, what this does is it means more of you will pass, but less of you will get very high scores. And I find in general, students are pretty conservative. Mm -hmm. And I usually try not to give too many 90s anyhow, Mm -hmm. right, 90 to 100. And by the way, I always forget that 80 to 89 in the United States is a B. Is it still a B? Yeah, I think so. Whereas in Japan, for those of you who are listening who are not in Japan, 80 to 100 is an A score with a 90 to 100 considered an A+. Plus. Yeah, or some places designated an S. Yes, and S. Some
0: pl- and, and some schools don't have that separation At whatsoever. All. They just, for 80 to 100 is the same score. Yeah.
1: By the way, here's a pet peeve of mine. (laughs) This really bothers me is most of my universities require me to submit a number score, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then they convert it into A, B, C, D, or fail.
0: Mm -hmm. Why can't
1: I issue an A, B, C, D, fail? Certainly would simplify things, wouldn't it? Yes. I don't understand that. (laughs) And I'm convinced it's because their computer programs are set up that way. They wouldn't know how to handle... Or they don't want to reprint their grading scores or their grading systems. But I don't understand why I have to provide points when the student gets in yeah, general. I,
0: I, 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 yeah, with the, you know, of course, with grading coming up and things, I've kind of often kind of toyed with the idea. It's like, well, you know, if with that situation where you have like a card for each student with, you know, the picture and their name on it and some cursory information, and you just made five piles based on your totally subjective (laughs) assessments, like, oh, yeah, this guy, and this and this one, and this girl, and this, and that. How different those would be from the, you know, look, again, all these numbers, all these spreadsheets, all these minute uh, attempts that we go through to try to make things fair and balanced. Would the results be any different?
1: Actually, I think I might do that. This, at the end of the semester, is take those pictures of the students separate them out from any information I have and put them into the ABC pile and then see how my spreadsheet spits it out. Yeah. But something I've always wanted to do, I haven't done this yet, is at the beginning of a semester, I want to oh, give... I know what you're going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. The same thing like this, <laughs> the evaluation, the teacher evaluation. I think we've talked about this, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. give teachers the roll sheet and as they call role on the very first day, assign a grade to the students and see how different those grades are. Yeah, I gotta, do, be, that. I gotta be do that. I gotta do that. Fantastic, we should do that. I, it would be a great study. I think it would be because I'm, my 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 null hypothesis. <laughs> 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 Honestly, I think that teachers would have a reasonably accurate assessment.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So I
1: think I'm going to do that this semester. We should I'll, we should do that. I should ask you to next do that. next year
0: actually because we get we need new students. Uh, are your classes year-long or semester long by the way? fortunately, most of the minor are minor year-long classes. I at have, least at least at the same students first and sem- second semester at most my, of them.
1: My main university, it's all semester except for <sighs> my graduate class. and at my other university, one class is semester long and <laughs> the other is year-long. Uh, yeah, the year-long yeah. class this that's another topic in and of itself. Okay, so yeah, absolutely. We curve now. Here's, yeah, and then
0: again, sticking with the curve just a little bit, and again, arguments for curving rather than some kind of, you know, hard and fast objective standard. Um, the quite the thing that I always struggle with is like well, when I'm giving the grades to the kids, um, am I grading them or am I grading me?
1: Oh, you're always grading them. <laughs> the, <laughs> grade, like, you know, the grade, the grade my th- students earn is no reflection of my teaching performance <laughs> at all.
0: I... Yeah, I mean, if they're failing, is it is it their failure or is it is it my failure? I mean, what? and you know again by basing it on something that you know that I'm actually teaching them or am I expecting them to you know pull magic out of a hat if if I'm not giving them what they need to 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 learn or to pass um, that's always a struggle for me and then the other part of it is like yeah if I'm going to be holding them to some you know hard and fast objective standards like it really requires a lot of faith in your instrument I don't I don't have innovation in any instrument that I can create. I mean, I, and I've seen things that other people have done, right? Like we talked, you know, joked a little bit about, you know, you know, did they use, you know, tag questions appropriately. Um, in writing classes, I, I've had someone with a, you know, to evaluate paragraphs with a checklist, And you know, point like five points for this. And it was, I mean, it was like 10 to 15 points. And like each one, I mean, a different uh, criteria. And each one was... Five points for this and five points for that. I said, "Well, you know, given these criteria, you could have total nonsense paragraph and get enter a ninety because the only thing that you've got anything to do with content, logic, or meaning is like worth ten percent. The rest of it is appropriate use of punctuation and spelling and indentation and um, ah, just ah, just maddening.
1: Well, of course, the holy grail is the the good rubric, right? Well, and let's use luck. writing as an example where. Mm. You do set up a rubric, and then you realize that's happened, and then you do the other way, and then you realize that the good ideas and the students expressing themselves is getting punished. And then you got on top of that, you've got inter-rater reliability and differences, Mm -hmm. right? A different teacher would rate differently. And actually, I think writing, though, is easier to evaluate. Oh, much more. Much, much, much is the easiest. That's not a problem for me. Or listening tests again are there, but again, your faith in the instrument. And this is where I think people who are looking into testing sometimes can be really helpful. There's some Mm. good work that's been done, but at a a certain other point, we have to look at the fact that it's a human being performing a communicative activity. No matter what you do right language activities are communicative it's not in a vacuum so i do not have complete faith in my instrument if if my if my evaluation instruments were an airplane i would not get on it i would not let my family <laughs> fly on that airplane no i'm not flying either I'll, so, I'll take the train again people who are listening if you want to email us and let us know what you're doing and send in your rubrics send in your evaluation sheets as a attachment let's see what you're doing and get some ideas because i could use all the help i can get yeah and we can we can can do a follow-up and share what you know share what we glean with everyone else
0: and it'll be one of those win-win situations
1: that's right and you now have the opportunity to have your name mentioned on two teachers talking you can once you choose anonymity which might be the wiser course uh, right (laughs) i wish I, i wish i could choose to be anonymous in this situation
0: yeah. Okay. Well, what about okay? So move on. What about um, task completion versus performance in evaluation? Because you know, just like throw out one of the. Cause what is this? The place, headache episode? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's grading, man. It's the headache. We said at the huh? very beginning was this was going to be a tough nut. I mean, it's all rough stuff. Um, just to throw out you know a little scenario, somebody <clears throat> that I know, um, and I won't say how close I am to to the to the scenario, but um, I know that. His or her evaluation consists of um, having the students come to his office three times a semester having memorized dialogues. And uh, if they do all three of them, then they get an A. If they do two of the three, they get the B. And if they only do one of them, they get the C. And if they don't come at all, then they fail.
1: Okay. Boo, hiss. (laughs) Boo, hiss, hiss. (laughs) (laughs) Easy way out, easy way out, ineffective evaluation or assessment tool, boo, hiss, hiss. thumbs down, thumbs down, No. no, 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 not acceptable. Sorry if anybody out there does that. I just, <laughs> I don't. Know. How do you feel, Tony? I mean, you must agree with. Well oh, obviously, on this I mean, no. Reason, the
0: reason the reason I brought it up is as as a ridiculous. You know, okay, I just a, needed the I just needed reassurance extreme, right? that
1: I wasn't putting myself on a limit that I was the only one who was going to be getting hate mail now.
0: No, no, because because um, a lot of people, you know, again, not to that extreme, but a lot of people do struggle with the, you know what we're talking about this um, this desire to be fair and. Uh, the you know a, you know an accurate good way of assessing kids and you know i think at a certain point throw up their hands and say no it can't be done i'm just going to ask the kids to complete task a b c and d and if they do it then they get credit for it and if they don't they don't and then the learning kind of hopefully happens somehow okay uh, in the completion of
1: the test which i don't know maybe that's valid okay well i think that One thing we haven't even talked about is how much time do you want to spend grading? Yeah. What's a fair amount of time for me to spend grading? If I create an activity and it takes me 20 minutes, let's say, not writing classes, which is a totally different species, okay? Mm -hmm. But I want to evaluate a student's speaking performance, and if I have to videotape them or record them, then transcribe them, then run that through, let's say, a vocab profile to look at how much vocabulary they're using, what's the frequency of their vocabulary, et cetera, et cetera. Are they using target language? And it takes me an hour or an hour and a half to evaluate each student. That's obviously not going to be done. That's not going to work. So what I'm going to use that example now of the teacher you just gave who has the students come into their office three times. Now, how long is each... How long of Or how many minutes worth of memorization do they have to
0: produce? It's, it's not a lot because these are, these are not high-level Okay, students, would you say so three minutes, two three minutes? Three minutes maybe. Okay, minutes, yeah. so it seems to me three that minutes each, yeah.
1: the teacher is trying to adjust for low-level students and time constraints and trying to be efficient. I would have them have to study a certain number of questions and then that I would engage in a conversation with them. And I think we used to do that when at the program we used to work t- together mm-hmm. where there were conversational topics that were covered. And then the student had to meet with a different teacher, though, uh-huh. which is very hard to do if you're working alone in a university. But if you're going to have students come to your office for five minutes at a time, why not have a conversation? Yeah what's your mother's yeah name? it's better than a memorized level. dialogue sure absolutely yes memorized dialogues then why don't you just have the students perform in front of the class mm. so yeah the the testing instrument is a whole other topic but i think we're talking more in general grading end of the year end of semester grading yeah so okay
0: so next next little subtopic um in you know proficiency um the you know what kids walk into the classroom with versus you know their performance on on what they're supposed to have learned or what you're teaching you know their in their innate ability their their experience their proficiency at the beginning of the term um versus what you're supposedly measuring that they've learned in your class how do you how do you tackle that one yeah Again, yeah, I think that this I'm getting good at asking the questions first so I don't have to to answer them, right? (laughs) Yeah, we'll
1: call this episode, yeah, I don't know, yeah, yeah, that again, that problem, uh, subjective versus objective, that's where you have to start. And Mm. this one's almost impossible to be objective because, as you say, what do you do with a student who comes in and has has better English proficiency and ability than the other students in the class? yeah and i are going got, to be and able and to ace really every good, test you're going to give them,
0: yeah I've got a really good example of that with one again one of these monster classes with forty forty five kids um very high level students at a real good school um a whole handful of returnees uh tossed in with kids who have just in Japan have just really studied their ass off but have not been overseas at all mm. oh man, and you get these guys together and it's you know you're looking at you know, yin and yang, and, you know, they're each doing really well, but in their own very different way, and how you measure that, and, you know, uh, you know, overall, and against each other, damn. Yep,
1: yep, yep, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, I have a class like that. I get it every fall semester, and there'll be five or six returnee students. Out of thirty-five students, and the rest of the students are nowhere near their ability. And I do not understand the mechanism for how mm. these students get assigned. I have a feeling that the students actually are taking some kind of proficiency test, and they're good on paper, but they're not good in person. Uh, right? Oh, Which yeah. Is-
0: you're, you always get those. You know, get those placement anomalies that are just. You you look at it and it's like, how did this happen?
1: But, you know, if it's an anomaly, then it wouldn't occur too often. But these anomalies occur every year. (laughs) So I want to know, how am I supposed to address that issue? But what I've just done with those students, because their abilities are so far above the other students, is I let offer them to opt out of the class and work with me individually on a different project. But some people can't do that. Some people Mm. don't have that option, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't have that flexibility.
1: Okay, so what do we do? Or what do you do? Well, we
0: go back you know, I go back to that subjective thing and yeah, I um uh though, you know, the, obviously the kids who were basically fluent uh our returnees, I I hold them to a higher standard. Um I read, you know, for example, I I like that. I hold weekly them
1: weekly research. I hold them to a higher standard. Is sure. that what was it? We answer to a higher authority. <laughs> Hebrew national, I think, or something along those lines. But yeah, so you hold them to a higher standard, but you don't answer to a higher authority. <laughs> <laughs> not unless absolutely, not unless I get caught.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, but uh, no, I you know I, you know again they have to do that weekly research. Yeah, and theirs has got to be stellar. I mean, they they're not going to get off with like a you know one page shot from the Japan Times. They're going to have to their stuff's got to come from the Atlantic, the New York Times. And you're, like and you're but clear about this, and you're clear from
1: the start with them. You sit them down and you tell them this, right?
0: Uh, not at the start, because I cause there's a lot of sandbagging going on. <laughs> but well, yeah, once that once they once they start, you know, we start working together and stuff. Yeah, they know, they know that I'm onto them, and they know that they've got to perform and and so forth. So yeah, it's it's made clear. Mm-hmm. It's not on day one because I don't know who they are. Again, there's a lot of sandbagging. And hmm. a lot of times you don't, you, know, you don't, not really obvious until you get, you know, they start talking, or as you said, usually they, 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 until they start cracking jokes, not hmm. just
1: laughing at yours, but they start making jokes of their own. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because once I identify those students, and I try to do that within the first week or second week of class, mm-hmm. I will ask those students to stay late. And what I do is I tell them, "You have two choices here. I'm happy to." And this is, again, because I'm working full-time at a university, so I have more time to do this. And I'll say, you have the choice to work with me on a project of your choosing or my choosing. I make some suggestions, and we work together, and we'll meet, and you'll work, and this will be an alternative to your grade in the class. Or if you choose to stay in the class, I will hold you to a higher standard, and this is the standard. So I actually employ two different grading mechanisms and they have a choice to either agree or mm-hmm. disagree and if they disagree with being held to a different standard I say well if you want to stay in the class this is, the only, this is your only option and if you disagree with it you're going to have to work with me outside of class you don't have to come mm-hmm. to class but you will have to do other work and that's in that situation that's the only way I know how to deal with it otherwise again it becomes a very subjective and we're back to that issue again Right. Grading basically has to... You ha- what was it you said before? Um, it has to pass the test of common sense. Mm. We were talking about the yeah, in terms of like your, when you finally look at your grades at the very end, it's like you look at
0: the numbers... And you go, do this, whoa! Do these, do these do these numbers in any way reflect reflect reality? Do
1: they this, do they pass it as the common sense? Does this make sense to anybody? Oh, I hate when that happens. When I've you know set up my spreadsheets and I've entered all my numbers and it kicks it out, and there's just no. Well, this brings up the topic of grading blind versus grading with knowing the student, mm-hmm. but. I hate it when the spreadsheet kicks out the numbers and everybody's getting like an 82, mm. <laughs> even though I've tried to curve it for some reason. <laughs> something something weird has happened, and I know for a fact that there are students who should barely be passing or getting 70s. Ugh. So what do you do? Do you massage your spreadsheets?
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I do the the, the major number crunch, and then I look at them and they say, okay, what do I have to do with this? Do I have to... Condense them? Do I need to spread it out? Or do I don't need to, like, you know, just raise everybody uniformly, lower everybody uniformly. It's like, yeah, you've got to somehow take what they've done and make it somehow reflect um, something that makes sense, right? And again, you have to, I guess, you either have to trust the instruments and the criteria that you set up initially, or you've got to trust your gut in terms of being able to subjectively evaluate what the kids have done well what do At some you At you know, some you know you got to you got to make a call one way or the other well, um, not, not i'd like actually. to think I've, i i split the middle you know a, a happy medium right <laughs> the ideal perfect balance between uh, objective measurement and my own subjective evaluation uh, making it fair for everybody right i think that's what we all think
1: we do right it's along the lines of the biblical story of um who was it king solomon the wise or something and two women come to him with the baby and say, it's my baby, it's my baby. And then he says, okay, let's split the baby in half. Mm. <laughs> I, this kind of thing. Even when I was a kid, I thought, no, that's a really silly solution to the problem. <laughs> and I feel that way that when I'm trying to balance it, that, ugh, this is just a silly situation. It's making matters worse. Yeah, but I'm curious. What do you do when the student comes to you and argues with you about a grade after you've massaged the grades and you've used common sense and your intuitive judgment? How do you justify that? Do you just tell the student, "I'm sorry, this is the way it is. You have to accept it"? Well, it depends on it depends on, it depends, when...
0: on the, it depends on the situation, right? On um, in as a matter of fact, like last semester, I for the first time in a long time, um, the students question their grade, and uh, as it turns out, luckily. In in both cases, I was like, "Well, I was able to explain very clearly. Say, okay, this is why. Um, you know, you know, everyone did this. You did this. Um, you know, you 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 spoke well, but you know, you you know, your paper wasn't this, and your paper wasn't that, and your grade came out to be this, and uh, that's why it was lower in the second semester than in the first semester because, um, because it's the way it was, and I was able to pinpoint exactly why." Uh, the grades were what they were. So I kind of got lucky there. Um, I know that there are some cases where probably students could have come and questioned me about their grade and would not have been that easy to defend the grade that I gave them. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing because, you know, there's a lot of grades that get assigned. There's a lot of work that gets done. There's a lot of number crunching. There's a lot of judgment calls. Um, Don't know. Don't know.
1: Well, I think that one of the ways I protect myself from that partially and deal with it is that I will I always grade blindly with the spreadsheets mm-hmm. at the end of the semester or the end of the year I don't see any student names I don't see any pictures I only have student numbers and then I do the curve and then I look at the, I do the grades and save that spreadsheet and say whew, and then I write a little note to myself with the time and the date and saying spreadsheet completed, okay? And then I pull the pictures up and compare the spreadsheet to see what grade each student gets assigned. And I swear, every every semester I'm like, oh, no. This has not worked properly based on what I saw. Mm-hmm. So at least I start off by saying, First off, the spreadsheet was generated blindly, mm-hmm. totally objectively based on the input. And then I looked and I had to adjust because that student performed and obviously the numbers didn't indicate in a grade that I found acceptable. But hey, here's a question. Here's the one that I hate, I think, more than anything else. What do you do with the student who really works their butt off, puts in okay, an the incredible question, right? amount effort and just doesn't perform. And I don't mean that you, know, you pass that student even though their work was below passing, right? That's a different story. I mean, how do you evaluate? How do you grade that student? Because I've had some students who worked hard, came to my office, talked to me after class, engaged, did their best in classes um, in communicating and activities, And then they took the test or they did some kind of uh, activity that they were evaluated in and bombed. What do you do?
0: Well, they bombed. Um, Obviously, obviously, if a kid's been trying the entire semester, uh, it's come, you know, kids come to class, kids tries, yada, yada. Um, you, You know, you don't fail them. But. If there's something that they you know they they do an assignment or whether it 's a test whether it 's a paper um, that is you know clearly brings their grade way way down you know maybe below below sixty for example um you pass them anyway, but uh, what what else do you do um and you know, i't my my sense is that they'll, you know sad you know sad it is those are the the kids that they 're not going to question their grade they they know that they bomb.
1: I'm wondering how fair it is to the student who's getting an 82, who might, should, in comparison to that student getting a 60, should get a 100. That's where I'm concerned. Okay, good point, good point. It's not that, you know, a student who busts their ass in my class, of course, is going to pass.
0: Well, do you have a good question here, because I, I don't.
1: Please don't ask um, me a question I can't answer, or no, this it will is embarrass question. me online. Oh, okay, now I'll really, I'm really in trouble. <laughs> you set there's me no, up for There's that no escape. There's no, no way It's out. certainly a question any teacher should be able to answer. Oh. Do you have
0: a, spe, a, a special category for effort? Do you grade effort as a grade?
1: I, I include it in participation.
0: Oh, okay, so it's a, a fudgy, fuzzy kind of thing that goes into your participation. It's yeah. not a separate category.
1: Well, Participation I keep intentionally fuzzy and I Mm -hmm. change the percentages by class because I have to have, I'm gonna be honest here, I have to have some way to either reward or penalize students who have rotten attitudes or great attitudes. And I'm talking about the student who just treats you with total disrespect from day one. And even though it shouldn't be part of the class, but this is a student who sneers at you, you know, throws the paper at you, has no manners, um, even though you've explained to them that they have to engage you with manners. There has to be some way that that student's score reflects that because I believe that a lot. Now, this doesn't work in a content based course. Let me say that. If I'm teaching yeah, okay. something yeah. like. Um, you know something in semantics or um, teaching methodologies, but in a language course where it's all about communication and engaging with people, it that's an important component. So I will fudge that. I say this score can go anywhere from ten to twenty five percent depending on the class, and I keep it intentionally fuzzy and I announce to students that this is a combination of your attitude, your effort, your attendance how much you stay on task do you use english or japanese are you just chatting with your students i say there's no way you can argue with me on this because this is 100% subjective yeah, and yeah it's a, it's i a stand nice, by that this
0: nice arrow to have in your quiver what what i do um and it's it's not it's not unlike what you do uh, except mine's a little bit more direct and real time in it and i talked about um in the, those sheets that i have on the students desk yes. i don't use it in all my classes but uh in I use them in a lot of the, the speaking classes, and there's a class, not not the classes that I was talking about before, but you know, speaking classes. And I've got a small handful of those types that you just mentioned, and um, it's very satisfying to walk to inevitably to the back of the room and take out your red pen and put a nice red minus on those um, sheets in which they, you know, their their weekly performances. And you know, a kid gets three of those in a row. And they're not working hard, there's no, there's no plus, (laughs) they're not getting any points to balance those out. Um, It's a very clear message and a very clear picture that
1: their final grade is not going to be pretty. I know a teacher who uses the yellow card, red card system. Somebody else used to use poker chips. Yeah. So I think that's true. And it does beg the question, is that, is it fair to penalize a student with a bad attitude? Well, I think, you know,
0: depends, you know, attitude. How does it translate into classroom behavior? And it's like, you know, you keep your mouth shut and you sneer, but if you're performing, you're on task, you're doing things, okay. But, you know, if you're sitting there with your back to the front of the room, <laughs> engage in some, you know, conversation completely unrelated to classroom in, in Japanese, um, without a textbook, <laughs> Making noise, disturbing other kids. But still able to complete the task. Ah, uh, that is yet That's to be the one. determined. That, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that answers
1: my question. I think it answers. So you're, mm-hmm. you basically do what I do. Mm-hmm. You have to right. adjust. Because I have students when they're doing group work. And you know, I said I don't walk around all the time evaluating and monitoring them. But if I walk up to a group because someone in the group asks me a question, and let's say they're in a circle and I'm outside the circle, and one student refuses to turn around and look at me, for mm-hmm. example, just keeps their back to me and is doodling or doing something. That student, I think, deserves to have some minus points because they need to learn that you can't do that. So,
0: yeah, well, these kids I just mentioned
1: are way, 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 way beyond not turning around. <laughs> Yeah, well, these, the, these, yeah. these are student, This is a student who, for some reason, is intentionally doing that. And, of course, that begs yeah. the question, is there something else going on? Yeah. yeah. And I don't even want to get into that. But I do have a participation score that I'm marking students, taking little notes. You know, if a student's really spoken a lot, done something good, or if there's a reason for them to do that. And I know that some teachers have told me they think it's unfair that I mark, I mark my students for manners.
0: Hmm. No, it's manners, class, and behavior, participation. Yeah, like you said, that's your, that's that fuzzy area. And yeah, I mean, what what else have you got? You gotta, you gotta use that.
1: Yes, I think that's really true, but I think we're also at a point where we might want to start wrapping up. This is turning into our yeah, longest a long episode ever. Yeah, it's a long one. Yeah, oh. well, it, yeah, it's a long one, but it's uh, yeah,
0: it's tough. <laughs> it's
1: a tough one. Yes, and we would look forward to hearing from people but okay let's be practical what kind of takeaways could we offer
0: all right put put down those pencils you know i see people every week you know trying to like you know maintain records manually on on paper and stuff and if there's one thing that computers are made for it's it's
1: grading spreadsheets yes and do (laughs) not invest do not invest money or pay money for a grading program
0: because none of them are flexible enough Oh, they are going to be them, And
1: most of them are just fancy spreadsheets. Where they're, somebody's, they're, that's all they are, yeah. Who's put in the formulas things. The Spend, flexibility's
0: been taken away, yeah. Yes.
1: Spend some time learning how to use Excel or Numbers or any other spreadsheet.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, then back up. Back you those do. up,
0: yeah. Make sure you got copies, in not only digital, You know, like on Dropbox, like we talked about in the last episode, or, you know, or print it out, keep it on paper. I mean, yeah, you need multiple. This is important stuff.
1: Mm. Um, yes, a good point is print those out on a regular once a month, yeah,'
0: you know hard drives go south, and you, you don't want to be stuck in the at the end of the semester with everything on your computer and have it go belly up on you and have all that data lost
1: right. um, uh, What I yeah. do is I actually enter the grades by hand sometimes mm. and it's on a piece you know it's on the paper and it's just handwritten grades and then because when I'm collecting papers. I'll enter those into by hand onto like the roll sheet or the sheet that I have. And then later, I I can just put everything directly into the computer. And actually, it works a lot faster that way. And I've got that nice handwritten hard copy. Okay, so mm-hmm. back up. Keep uh, up to date with that stuff. You know, we pick uh, upkeep, right? Enter weekly. May, set some time aside where you say, okay, every Saturday morning, 8 to 9 o'clock, I'm going to enter or enter those grades during the class while students are working.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: That's always a good idea. Double up, make it efficient. And there's a good argument for doing that because if you're grading, you're immediately seeing if there was any problem on the quiz, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, well, all my students got low scores. Something's wrong here. And you have an immediate way to respond. All right.
0: And with those spreadsheets and things, you know, keep keep yourself flexible. Keep some flexibility. I mean, be aware Mm -hmm. that, yeah, you're going to have to adjust things later on that... You know, don't be a slave okay. to the um, right. to the algorithm, basically.
1: Yes, good call. Don't be a slave to the algorithm, as you said. It has to pass the test of common sense and yes. set up. Yeah, take th- a look at those numbers. We talked before about what you know. What you you, know, you did. Then you look at the pictures.
0: What I do is I let mine set overnight and look at them the next day because, you know, depending on again, we talked about you know subjectivity, the, the you know the inevitability, but also the weaknesses of it. Um, it's kind of scary sometimes when you you know you do it at the end of the day you're you're tired you're fatigued you crunch the numbers and set them aside then they, they look fine you know, next day you look at them and you go what the hell yes yeah, they really look can, can look very very different on the next day in the light of day yes and in
1: your spreadsheets again you have to use spreadsheets
0: <laughs> you had a you had a with the spreadsheets you had a you have a nice little formula that you talked about that fast curve that you did you mentioned it right. a little bit earlier
1: again. Yes, for every category, and by the way, create categories and then create subcategories so that you can Hmm. tweak your grades, which again, I think both of us are agreeing has to be done. And then what I do is um, again, because I use a curve is for every general kind of activity. So let's say I do midterm presentations. I total up student scores, I figure out what their median score is, and I have my 70 that I'm always trying to achieve for that activity. This is not for the general grade, I haven't actually tried it that way. Find the median, adjust their grade by subtracting the difference or adding the difference between the student score and the median score. And that gives me a very, very nice, doesn't work perfectly, but it's quick and fast and saves you a lot of time. So I like to do that one. Yeah, that's good. I liked it, too. All right. And make sure that it's easy to explain your grading system. (laughs) If somebody comes to you... be able to explain it, be able to defend
0: what you're doing. And it
1: should be easy and clear for people to see. And another important thing that's taken me years to realize, Tony, is even after you submit a grade, the grade can be resubmitted and adjusted.
0: Sure, sure.
1: That's something the schools usually don't tell you. And if you don't know that, but if you find out later that well, wow, I disagree with the grade I gave the student. It should have mm-hmm. been higher. It should, if it's higher, you can usually change the score. But if it's lower, there's a problem sometimes. But the scores, your your grades can be changed, and create um, a a wobble category mm-hmm. that you can adjust it so that you can justify the changing of a grade. Yeah. Right. So I think um, the other thing I wanted to suggest that's really helpful is create a cumulative column in your spreadsheet. Okay. So that it adjusts and it always tells the percentage so that you can always know what a student's score is Mm -hmm. with a quick look. Mm -hmm. And it's nice sometimes because at the midpoint when I return, let's say, a quiz or some activity, I can tell the student at this point in time you're earning such and such a grade. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: It also helps you, for the rest of the semester, being able to you know, adjust what you might be doing or how you might be grading and so forth.
1: And it's easier to make those adjustments incrementally than at the end of the semester? Sure. Easily, more easily said than done, I think. I still... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any other things that you do that are practical, useful tips for people? Nah, not really. Just uh, the other thing, you know, just kind
0: of a, a basic common sense thing, just check your grades real carefully before you submit them. I mean, you double check, triple check, What? how many times you have to check it to make sure that they're right because um, you're, Human tired, error. you're tired. You're tired. You've got a lot of data. There's a lot of stuff there, and it's so easy to screw it up. So just double check and triple check it. That's all. My,
1: rule, my rule for that is one spreadsheet, finish, take a break. Yeah. I can never do more than two spreadsheets at a time or don't enter more than five categories of data into one spreadsheet. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, it's, and it's, it's important stuff. I mean, these are kids' grades. You, know, you really got to be careful not to make a mistake.
1: And if you're using a spreadsheet and if you're using a laptop, invest in a USB number pad.
0: Mm, very good. Yeah, that's a real time saver.
1: It is an unbelievable time saver. And you will find yourself able to actually, what is it, touch type? Touch yeah. enter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Touch type it, yeah. So a keyboard with a number, pa- a numerical pad is a lifesaver. Yeah, absolutely. And remember to hit the control S or the command S while you're entering that data. Yeah. Got to continually save on the spreadsheets.
0: Yeah, unless you want to see an
1: hour's worth of work go up okay. in smoke or worse. Right. Take good notes on your grades, How it justify – and that's why it pays to – also another takeaway is spend some time and put it into your syllabus so you can always refer back to that. Hmm. If students have a question, hey, it's in the syllabus, even though they won't u- use it, but you read it, but you might find a good way to do that. Okay, and we talked about how to adjust for a bit, you know the high-level students who are outliers in the class. I think we've hmm. covered a lot. And I am definitely looking forward to hearing from the listeners how they deal with these questions and problems and what solutions they have, what mechanisms and systems they use. Yeah. Please email us at twoteacherstalking at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking, what you have, and if you have some interesting materials or rubrics, please send them as attachments.
0: And uh, if you want to um, leave a voice message, if, you know, typing is too much trouble, um, it's a, we're at Skype at Two Teachers Talking also. So, And you might hear yourself on the show.
1: Yeah, we might actually, if we ever get anything, yeah. we get could actually we <laughs> could actually edit people and make it sound as if it's a conversation.
0: We yeah. might actually have to check that email, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that Skype box, by the way. There might be some messages
1: there for us. That's All a right. very good point. Okay, so again, this is two teachers talking, and as you know, we're on iTunes. And it's two teachers talking, and two teachers talking at gmail.com, And we'd love to hear from you. And looking forward to it. And actually, Tony, I'm going to have to start entering some grades into so to spreadsheet. It's that time of the year. I think every Saturday morning I enter grades. There we go. Okay. Okay. Well, it's back to work. <laughs> back to work, and we'll talk to you later. See you Alrighty. good. Be well. Bye. Bye-bye.